Tales from the Tavern was recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. I'm Commander Shepard, and Tales from the Tavern is my favorite stream on Twitch. everyone welcome to tales from the tavern happy easter if you celebrate that happy passover if you celebrate that uh we are here with a great group of guests um some have been on before most are new to the stream and i am uh i'm very excited to have everyone here so i what i would like to do is i'm going to go around i'm going to have everybody introduce themselves and then i'll tell you a little about who i am and how the stream works if this is your first day here so uh we're going to start with alex alex tell us a little about yourself Hi, I'm Alex. I'm one of four fine folks that runs Bards and Brews over on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. You can also find me as Ballsy Bard if you're looking for the uh, more personal aspect of me. I am a professional GM, a professional content producer, and professional game designer. That's it. That's, that's it. all I got. I know. Well, it's, that's more than enough. <laughs> Well, welcome back. I'm really excited to have you again. Um, Glad to be back. This was great. Brent, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be back as well. I know. Um, my Yeah, my name is Brent. Um, on Twitter as at uh, Dorklord Canada. Uh, I am a professional TTRPG editor and uh, also a sci-fi editor. Um, and uh, yeah, besides that, I play a lot of tabletop role-playing games, and I write about a lot of tabletop role-playing games. Uh, I do editing, or sorry, not editing, uh, interviews and columns for uh, a site called The Rat Hole, uh, therathole.ca, uh, as well as my own site. Awesome. And, and when we're not busy creating content, Brent and I are playing Starfinder together on Tuesday nights. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Um, well, welcome back, Brent. I'm glad to have you again. Uh, Keen, tell us a little about you. Uh, hello, I'm Keen. I have a YouTube channel called The Space Ditties, where I run a sort of homebrewed Starfinder game about a, a bunch of dorks trying to save the universe. And um, I'm also a dungeon master or a game master or whichever kind of uh, guy. Um, over on uh, the Twitch channel Surprise Round RPG, where we, there's just a ton of us and we're constantly hosting games and playing games and all that stuff. And I think some of the people here uh, might be from over there. I'm trying to pull in some favors and get some people to get up in here to ask <laughs> us some questions. 
Uh, well, welcome. I'm excited to have you. I know uh, we've been interacting on social media for a little while, and it's nice to mm-hmm. nice to get a chance to actually chat. So, so yeah. welcome. And uh, Owen, welcome, welcome, welcome to Twitch. <laughs> Hi, thanks. Uh, excited to be here. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm been a professional GM for a while, writer, editor, voice actor, storyteller. What is that? Waitress slash whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, wear a lot of hats. Um, I can pretty much easiest be found on uh, TikTok because I have a 16 year old who thought it was funny to introduce me to TikTok and uh, at Chanted Evening um, and most of my other stuff, the games I'm putting out, uh, you can find on my link tree. So. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, we, uh, Owen and I have interacted on on TikTok uh, quite a bit, so it was nice to be able to finally connect and, and have you on. And Mads, I'm sorry, I totally, like, I was looking at you and I said Owen's name and that was my bad and I'm sorry, I did not mean to skip <laughs> over you, but, but please tell us about yourself. <laughs> not at all. No problem. I'm very honored to be here amongst such uh, such great company um i am basically a player of tabletop role-playing games and um uh discovered online play um a few years ago even before our wonderful pandemic um (laughs) and uh i'm currently in a um, actual play on jason cordova's uh, youtube channel uh, of the between um, a ttrpg about victorian monster hunters in london and uh um, our particular playlist is called shadow society so if anybody wants to check it out we're on we're currently on season two um of our of our run and um i will be uh gming a um a, a short series of the between on the dicey amazon's channel next weekend starting next weekend oh my goodness so exciting for me um i've, I've facilitated and gm'd like a few games before but not um an actual series so this is exciting and um i'm very glad to be here <laughs> that's awesome and and uh victorian monster hunting sounds amazing yeah <laughs> that was that was an immediate vibe <laughs> i was like oh I, I, I'm, I'm like a historical drama fan, like not historical drama, historical fiction fan. And so like anything that's even remotely in that vein, I'm like, Oh, I got to scope that out. So, so I mean, basically the, the, the inspirations for the, the game, um, by, by Jason is, um, definitely Penny Dreadful and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So nice, you know, definitely (laughs) pull from, from those, from those, uh, archetypes basically and uh, get a lot of great material that's awesome (laughs) well welcome everybody uh for those of you that are joining us for the first time i am gamer mom luna this is tales from the tavern we are the epic ttrpg talk show where chat asks the questions so what that means is that you are going to ask us all questions tonight so uh if you have a question for any or all of our panel feel free to drop that right into the chat i have a moderator who will make sure that that gets to us so we can uh discuss your questions i've already seen we've had a couple come in already and um 
And so we will get to those in just a few minutes. If you've been here for a while and you've racked up some channel points, you can use your channel points to use the Ask My Question Next feature, and that will bump your question up to the next one in the queue. There's uh, three of those available every night, so feel free to, uh, to, to drop that if you would like to make sure that we get a chance to answer your question. Um, and yeah, so we're going to dive in. I'm going to start off with a question that I like to ask when we have um, a lot of new people on the stream. So my question that I ask everybody is, when you are playing at a physical table with actual dice, uh, then do your dice have to match? And feel free to just jump in. So <laughs> I, uh, I actually pick out sets of dice before every single playing activity whatever it is i'm doing whether i'm gming or a player i pick out sets of dice and they are specific to whatever i'm doing if i'm a gm i have specific dice that i use if i'm a player i use dice based on that character um and uh, my partner has an even more specific ritual where like they roll out each and every single dice and decide that way based on like how the dice are are performing and whether or not they give those those bad juju vibes so that Highlander like pre-stream thing that was happening in our group chat, that's kind of the thing that happens with the dice, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, no, not not you today. There's only one that needs to be used today. <laughs> I used to try to have match sets, but I mean, in recent years just started collecting because I thought, "Hey, this looks beautiful or this is kind of this kind of cute." Um, but I mean, since the game that I play right now is is like about d6s it's pretty much like okay take a take a bunch of them in the hand roll see which ones are actually doing well and then take, keep those yeah. on the table <laughs> yeah i used to be much more about uh, having match sets of dice before i ever started organizing like organized play in stores and things like that um then I just needed dice that people could use, and I didn't have to feel bad if they sort of walked away with, you know, some of them. Um, so then I started going to, like, the Chessex booths at uh, Gen Con and stuff like that and buying, like, a pitcher of dice, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. You just, yeah. just dunk a pitcher into a big barrel of dice and pour it into a bag for you. Um, so I've got about three of those. And then a container that I just carry around. I'm starting to get back more into, like, I like my pretty dice now. Uh, I like dice that I can use uh, for a character. I'll buy a set for a character. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm an inveterate dice goblin. Um, so, and I have a fondness for jewel tones. And as I get older, I have a fondness nice. for jewel tones with um, easy readability. Um but since I started game clubs at every school where I taught for 12 years, um, and we had game clubs, um, I was buying them by the pound. Chessex is nice enough to sell them by the pound. So there was always the, <clears throat> there was always the, the sponsor tax. I'll just take a few. Oh, that's a pretty one. I'll just take you, you, you decide which ones you want. But uh, normally now I've got a couple of, couple of favorite dice that show up in every game, and most of the rest are guest stars. I will. I, I have a story about my thirty-four sided diet. I'd love to share at some point. Oh well, now we need to know. <laughs> okay, twenty-five worlds or less. Um, one of my exes, she knew I was a dice goblin, so she got me a thirty-four sided die because of all those charts out there from one to thirty-four. Right? Yeah. You know, 
the D thirty four system. Twenty of them everybody. already. <laughs> yeah, the, the D thirty four system. It's the most common, you know. And I, I, I was it basically it was to to it was a conversation starter. Okay, and I taught math for twelve years. So my buddy picks it up. And he goes, "Oh, how many sides? Thirty four. Oh, you roll it three times, subtract two, and it's a bell curve from one to a hundred. Yes. <laughs> and, so, uh, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, okay. Once you said it, you know, but um, and, but if if my buddy hadn't said anything, I would still be going, oh, thirty four sided dice. That's so funny. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Uh, as far as dice go, I've, I've only I've played online infinitely more than I've played in person. I've only started playing in person in the past year or so, uh, just because it just started to work out that way. And um, yeah, I just have like a few sets of dice I use. They're all the same-ish color, so I'm just more attracted to color than anything. So purples, blues, and blacks are like always good. I'll always just gravitate towards those dice. And I think I've accidentally bought, without realizing it, the same set of dice twice like i have to go find them just to be sure but it's like i'll look at it and be like oh i'll buy them and it's like wait a minute i might own these already oh well like it's it's like looking at like a pretty rock and yeah. <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta oh, take it darn <laughs> yeah. i would it, for me personally what i would probably end up doing is giving those away and then like oh mm -hmm. now i've got to get another set oh darn yep. that's too bad <laughs> Well, now I'm down a set, so I need to replace right, it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You've made space in your collection for it and everything. I, uh, I actually need dice. It's starting to get... I know there's no such thing as too many dice, but i got to find a better way to organize them because it's going to get obnoxious after a while. I need a, uh, a big old dice box or something. I don't know. How do you We're going to talk about dice boxes. I was I just going to ask basically... how you all store your, store your dice, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, okay, so, I mean, good old Amazon probably shouldn't but I do so I mean I have one of these big ass jobs over here and it's where it separates oh. and so it's like the bottom it like turns into the roller like where you can roll dice but there's actually no room <laughs> <laughs> to do it and then I also have the smaller one that I use for my for most of my d6s which also has um something underneath like a like a dice dice tray to roll but then in this the die the die that i dare not roll because it is too gd heavy oh my goodness know, <laughs> it is a gelatinous cube the beast. My, my i favorite love monster. it so love it oh nice i've got a uh i've got a really beautiful dice bag that unfortunately is all the way on the opposite end of my apartment um, but I've got a beautiful dice bag from a seller on Etsy who, unfortunately, I lost track of. Cannot find the seller again. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful dice bag uh, that holds most of my dice. But I've got this beautiful dice tray that I set my dice in when I'm not oh, using them. That's cool. uh, my, my friend made this uh, Coffee Dragon Dice is ran by one of my best friends, Rain, and she made me a Ouija board dice tray. And it's really cool because it's got this uh, mica pigment in it. So, uh, you know, on camera it looks like blue or purple or gray, but in light it shines like red and green and blue and purple. It's, nice. it's gorgeous. Very cool. I really like that. The one other one was um, I taught math, like I said, and I would assign my students every year in geometry a geometry project where they'd have to construct a 12-sider, basically. And I'd give them cardboards and patterns and stuff. And I said, but if you surprise me, 
extra credit. So one of my welding students shows up with a 12-sider he's made out of steel the size of my fist. Is that extra credit? I said, no, sir, that's an A. <laughs> um, and and it's the world. I, I wish I had it handy. I still had it. Um, it's the world's worst bell because you got a little piece of, of, of bit in there. So if you shake it, it goes. Oh, no. And then the, the follow up the next year, one of my other welding students saw it on my desk and made me a second one. So. I have no really <laughs> in the world that I can kill you if I drop them on you from a height. I love, oh I love the mindset of the student who's like, "Let's make another." Right? <laughs> yeah. I know. You need a match set. <laughs> so much. You know? I was going to say now you just needed to have welding students that like, okay, well they made you the D12, so I'm going to like go above and beyond and make you the D20, and then somebody else D100. made D6 and a D100, oh, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> The only problem is I need a concrete table to roll them on. Right. Oh, God, Very yeah. <laughs> roll them on the ground. Uh, I like my linoleum. <laughs> it's funny you say it. My, friend, uh, my best friend got his first set of metal dice and proceeded to roll them across our nice wooden table. <laughs> oh, no. Like, none of us... None of us thought of it. You know, we weren't really thinking it through. We were just like, oh, yeah, let's roll them, see how they do. And then we're like, oh... Oops. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking with somebody uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday, yesterday or Friday. Either way, um, I was saying how my parents have this gorgeous, gorgeous uh, reclaimed wood pine table that my dad made. And I was Ooh. like, it's a beautiful table. It would be so great for playing D&D because it seats eight people. You cannot oh, no. roll metal dice on it because it's pine and it will destroy the table. <laughs> yeah. Very soft. So wood. soft. Yep. Oh gosh! Speaking of gaming tables, have you guys seen the the prophecy gaming table from Wormwood? Yes, that's what? that's the goals table. But you need like a thousand bucks deposit. I'll just link it in our chat for anyone who has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I, very I cool, idea, very customizable table. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's yeah. Like, oh, I don't even have a room for it. So even if I had just tons of money, I would have nowhere to put it. So I thought I'd it had like new house. I thought it had individual like race platforms for for each of the players i think you have a lot of different options yeah you can get like the option you set it. it up yeah there's tons of different customization oh my god things. the lift mechanism <laughs> there, there's magnetic cup holders and yep yep oh my places god. for your cards and dice and shelves and more Components shelves and, yeah every time very I go to, good every time i go to a con and i see wormwood there i just stand there and kind of drool for a few minutes over the tables <laughs> yeah. and i'm like someday yeah, when I'm, I'm mega famous and the, 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 the fabric options are just so beautiful oh my god i'm uh i'm fortunate that i have a moderate amount of carpentry skill uh inherited from a lifetime of watching someone else do it uh so eventually the plan is to make my own table but it's it's really the cost of materials that that has me mm -hmm. stay in my hand a little bit it's like yeah no matter how you slice it this is gonna be like a 300 dollars project <laughs> like if you want it done right and you want it to be this beautiful thing that's gonna last you years you're gonna have to spend the money yeah well, i don't know about beautiful thing um my father was in construction and taught it um, and he never, he, but he's like the kid of a, of a great depression survivor. So form is not as important as function. I, yeah. I, I mentioned the idea of a, of a dice tower to him, right? Dice tower. He's like, oh, okay. And he made me one. It looks like, um, 
it's it's impossible to describe without invoking Soviet architecture. It is this blocky edifice that that works absolutely beautifully, but you just like uh, you know, close your eyes and roll the dice. Uh, and heavy, I mean, just it's almost not even portable, but works works beautiful. Just I wouldn't you know put it in the shop shop window or anything. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to start diving into some of the questions that we've been getting from chat because we've had a bunch come in already. So we're going to start right off the bat with one from Math Productions. Uh, Tommy would like to know, what 90s cartoon would you like to play as a TTRPG? That's that's a really good question because I think like a Power Rangers one just came out a little while ago. Yeah. Like there's a Power Rangers D&D now. And yeah. that made, made me immediately want to... Wish, wish upon a star that there would be one for gargoyles. I love the gargoyles. Yeah, cartoon. Yes. Yes. The whole aesthetic. Mm, delicious. Yes. Love it. I, would, I want I would gargoyles. Play I want to play as a gargoyle, which I'm sure you could do in any other system as gargoyles, but it's uh, not the same. It's not. It's not those gargoyles. Yeah, that's solid. That's a really good one. Uh, I think I'd do Aureal Monsters. Oh, oh that's that'd a good be fun. Like, there's just there, there's something about the idea of like the the fright, frightening children and scaring people being like your your objective that just seems hilarious to me. Seems mm-hmm. like it'd be really fun to play out at a table. So I do all real monsters. Unfortunately, I've given this question some thought. <laughs> I've heard uh, this one before. Uh, it's a really good question. Unfortunate question. I mean, <laughs> it's a great question. I uh, I have consumed so many '90s cartoons. <laughs> I'd had to look. I had to look it up because it's like I don't remember like you know what falls in the '90s. So I would say Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack would be. Oh, great early, choice! Early 2000s, maybe, but yeah, that would be a really good one. That's a good choice for sure. And then there's like there's there's one like if you're gonna do more narrative type stuff like slice of life thing, it's like probably Recess. Um, yeah. Six like elementary school students. Um, Another solid one. How they interact. So, yeah, those two. So mine technically spans from the 80s into the 90s, uh, but I don't think you could go wrong with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one, too. Depends on if you're using the old system. Mm, fair. So. <laughs> I, had a, I had a TMNT character who was a sociopath Wolverine. Yeah, fun. Deviant. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I don't know if this was the right era. Um, Ruby Gloom? Was Ruby Gloom 90s? I don't know. To the internet. To the internet. internet. Google Foo. (laughs) Um, Ruby Gloom was this macabre. 2006. Oh, 2006. Eh, Close enough. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I stopped watching cartoons until a kiddo, kiddo was old enough to watch them. So, I mean, me, you know, I would be fine with a Pony Finder or Tales of Equestria. But that's just me. I, I'm, I'm, you know, brony for life, brony forever. But, um, but yeah, Ruby Gloom has got an interesting cast of characters, all macabre um, uh, people with with interesting backgrounds, and it would it would be a fun it would be a fun one. It would it would be pretty lighthearted, beer and pretzels kind of a thing. So, yeah. oh, and hear me out. This is an idea that me and some friends have bounced around. My Little Ponies. But set in Ravenloft. You bounced that out. Uh, we, what did we call it? Um, uh, what was it? Stra- uh, 
Straddle, the curse of Straddle. <laughs> oh Straddle, my God. Straddle, yeah. Curse of Straddle. That was. Oh, it. it's it's been fun, guys. I think it's <laughs> I time say, for like, me to go. Like, <laughs> man, we're gonna have to like shut that down. <laughs> oh God, amazing. All right, let's see. Um. Lost, lost my chat. Okay, here we go. Um, so the next question that we have is, uh, let's see. Um, I have a question for anyone that does GMing. When one takes stock and has to halt a game for a period of time to make new content, as you do, what methods do you use to catch up and reintroduce the players to the world and story? I think this is a fantastic question. Like a sort of recap kind of thing? Yeah. Can I, can like you have to take a hiatus? Like. That's what it sounds like, like if you had to take a little break from playing and then come back to it. Can I start? Go for um, it. I, um, since I've got the writing bug, um, every session I would do a When Last We Met, mm -hmm. which was a complete recap of um, the events. Okay. Uh, trying, you know, reminding everybody of the little uh, private jokes that we threw in. Um, and then it, we did have, I was running a four-year campaign of um, Middle Earth, Middle Earth Roleplay, and we all had to take a break for six or eight months. And so I had to come back with chapter line and verse of it. Um, a friend of mine just sent me, he said, do you remember this? And he sent me the email that I had sent out that was 20 paragraphs of everything that they were. And I was like, oh, man, I remember that. So if you've got, I mean, obviously, um, time constraints but um i like i like uh i like a, a, a when you know all my all my parties are like oh when last we met all right now we're here and ready to go yeah i think uh i haven't had too many instances personally of needing to like force a break or needing to take some time for me to get caught up but I have had a few games that have gone on brief hiatuses due to life or work or what have you. And my favorite way to get players caught back up is rather than me prepare something, though I always have like a brief little synopsis ready, I like to ask my players, tell me what you did. Tell me, tell me what you remember. Tell me, tell me what from last session stuck out to you. Um, because that accomplishes two things. One, it gets everyone up to speed, presumably, as long as someone took notes anyway. Um, and two, it gives me some interesting perspective to see what stuck out to them and what were the highlights for them, what they really latched on to, and to kind of build off of that. So it gives me a nice little, nice little cheat sheet to read off of. Mm -hmm. I think most of the, the games that I've played have been like a give, you know, like give me a, uh, give me a, a summary of what happens, and then. You know, yeah. the, the GM or DM will supplement with whatever was missed. I did have a GM who would give experience points if your character kept a journal. Yeah, oh. and that's you know, that's a good trick. Um, we were doing a seventh we C, and Captain Izzy she she kept her journal for about three years. It's really good reading. That's a good that's a good trick too. Um, I also am a big fan. I haven't had a chance to use it because we haven't needed it, but I am a big fan of giving uh, inspiration to players that like took uh, immaculate notes and when you get that sum up are like, bam, here's every single thing that happened. <laughs> then it's like, you know what? 
Take take the advantage, man. It's all yours. You did good. <laughs> One of the, uh, uh, the the perks of you know recording everything and uploading it on YouTube or streaming yeah. it, everything is all the notes are right there. It's like what yeah, happened exactly. last time. Just go back and watch the last session. Watch like the last ten minutes and you're good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I get yeah. around that. And at the beginning of every session, I'll do a last time on Dragon Ball Z sort of something and summarize what happened anyway. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty easy, and it hasn't been an issue yet to where we haven't played for so long that everyone sort of, you know, needs a big refresher like that. It hasn't been an issue yet, but all all the proof and evidence is there. So let's go back and watch, see what happens. Definitely a yeah. uh, a benefit of being on on a stream or podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For me, it's depended on what the game was. Um, how I'll present the information back to them. So I do, I, I should say, I do generally agree with like Alex. I think that, you know, having the players repeat it back because then you find out, um, it's a great way to find out what's important to them. Um, you might, you may find out that you've been spending a lot of time, um, trying to introduce stuff to them that they just don't really care yeah. about because it, <laughs> because it never comes up in a summary. And then you, you know, if you're a smart GM, you at that point you just sort of like, okay, well, that's done. That's off to the side. We'll we'll focus on something else. Um, the only time I've done anything really extensive is when I was running a D20 Modern Urban Arcana campaign, and we had to take a break um, for about six months just because of life stuff. Uh, and then so when we came back. Um, you know, I did ask people to sort of like recap. Well, what do you remember of the the you know thing we were doing before? But I also used one of the NPCs that I had introduced, which was the ghost of the house they're using as a um, as a home base um, to sort of bring them back up to speed. So I recorded the ghost sort of giving them a recap of uh, of their mission briefing. Um, so that they could get all that information, and then, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Um. Let's see. Next question is. Uh. Oh, we're gonna go back to dice for a second. Bat Duck would like to know if you torture your dice at all. <laughs> torture my what does dice. that even mean that, so pretty that duck oh. is a big fan of the, like the idea of dice jails and that sort of thing so <laughs> I, I have some friends who do the dice jail thing but it's like no nah, if i'm rolling with like a set of dice from the start of the game like i'm sticking with it to the end it's like yeah. come on, dice. come on i'm not giving up on you dice yeah i don't i don't really attribute a whole lot of luck to my specific dice i i more attribute it to myself it's like if i'm having if i if i'm having bad rolls changing the dice isn't probably going to fix that. It's just right. a bad night, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't really punish my dice too much. That being said, I do have a like two sets of dice that I know if I need to roll well consistently, if I pull them out, it's going to be a good night. Uh, I pretty much refuse to use them while I'm GMing because it feels too much like cheating. Uh, the D20 has... I can almost count on one hand the number of times that it's rolled below a 12. Oh, so It's wow. just like pretty consistently high roller. It's like, mm, we'll save this for when I absolutely cannot die. <laughs> this is probably why I've collected so many, so much dice like in the, in the interim. Um, 
since being able to play in person. When I did play in person with our Pathfinder slash D&D group, um, I always had the worst dice rolls. So my friend who was man of honor at my wedding, <laughs> for whatever reason, if he touched your dice, if he like, you know, held it in his hand and like, you know, did whatever mojo he did on it, I would roll better or best, like, you know, all night. Like for the, the opposite will Wheaton. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. We, so I'm just like, you didn't need dice jail. I mean, like just had to make sure he touched the dice to make sure it worked. It's funny. I, I say I don't believe in dice luck, but that being said, uh, my best friend, Patrick, is the Will Wheaton of our group. And just, I, 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 contrary to my dice, I can count on one hand the number of times Patrick has rolled a natural 20 in years of gaming together. It's painful. It's so painful to watch this poor man roll his dice out and just like, would love to see anything above a 10. <laughs> we, had a, we had a buddy like that, Eric. Um, Eric was Eric was one of the five smartest people I've ever met, um, hands down. And brilliant strategist, brilliant tactician, oh. came up with amazing characters. Always the dice hated. That's cruel. Hated. He, 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 as long as he wasn't rolling dice, things were great. Yeah, that's so cruel to have the good ideas and just not be able to implement them. <laughs> I mean, anything. Board games, card games, we were playing. Oh. One of the one of the Lord of the Rings uh, card games, and he just yeah, um, and of course he was the one who figured out my thirty four set of dice. So statistics and probability were his thing. But I think the weirdest one, um, we were playing again, math teacher. We were playing uh, PBTA, and a character, uh, one of my players, failed seventeen rolls in a row on two d six. Holy heck! Oh my gosh! With a bonus, with a bonus, and you only have to get seven. That defies logic. Oh my god! Well, you know. Every- <laughs> Every every uh, action is its own event. But after three, I was like, how many is she going to fail in a row? Do we have a second to tell the story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, they were sneaking. Uh, it's, uh, it was my game, uh, Splintered Moon, which is post-apocalyptic fantasy. So elves, dwarfs, orcs, raiders, mutants, clockpunk robots, fall of magic. No, no wizards, no clerics, very, very little magic. Anyway, they were sneaking into a raider encampment and I was playing PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, that's the system. And um, it's, all, it's all fail forward. So if you fail a roll, it's not just, it stops, but something interesting happens. So she was, she was a thief, a little halfling, mutant halfling, and she's sneaking in to the raider encampment, and she fails. And I'm like, what could the guards be doing? They're having sex. What? Yeah, the guards are having, like, raucous sex, and they stop what they're doing and look at you. What do you do? She's like, is this a private party? Can anybody join? <laughs> Um, are you doing anything oh, no. other than getting naked and jumping in bed with them? No, no, I'm doing that. I'm like, okay, I'll be back. All right, gaming, gaming. All right, we come back. She's, I'm gonna pull a knife. Like, oh yeah, you got a knife. Oh yeah, thief. I'm covered in knives. Okay, great. Pull a knife. Fail. Oh, you like it like that, huh? Oh god. Oh, I'll be no. back. All right. <laughs> gaming, gaming. Come back. She's like, she's she's got dentition. She's got great like like you know, take chunks out of steel teeth. She's like, I'll bite the guy. I'm like, okay, fail. No. He's oh no. Fail. 17 in a row. Oh, okay, now, my gosh. The, There's and, only and, so much interesting that can happen. Oh, and, and we're laughing, and we're, you know, she's like, are you okay? You know, 
and uh, but again in PBTA, if you fail, you get experience. Yeah. Um, and so uh, by the end of the by the end of the scenario, um, the Raiders were defeated. She was unconscious. She woke up, but she had 17 experience points in a game where you level up at seven plus your current level. So she was not unhappy. And I and I, and I took her aside afterwards. I'm like, this was a little. She's like, I'm telling everybody about this. This was, <laughs> this was amazing. So it's it's the uh, it's the epitome of just because it's a bad idea doesn't mean it won't make a great story. Right. Yeah. But just yeah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. That it was. Hilarious. It was funny. Is that like the definition of failing forward? Yes. <laughs> oh man. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I. Hmm. I don't. I've had like I had a dice jail. I never used it. Um, I'm the type of person that like if I have one die in the set that's acting up, I just swap out the whole set and I'm like, that's it. You're going in timeout for a little while yeah. and, uh, you know, call in the replacements and. No, I'm the type of person I believe in my dice. <laughs> you can yeah. do like, it, dice. Come on. We're in this together, buddy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think as a GM too, like uh, honestly, I I kind of prefer rolling low. Like, you know, I, I'm cool with rolling low. So if my dice are doing poorly, I'm just like, that's fine. Like that's this is kind of the ideal, the ideal situation. Um, I I had I had one game uh, early in my GMing career where the opposite happened, where it was like they 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 picked a fight they weren't ready for, and I was like, ah, it's fine. Like. This enemy will get one hit in, and they'll be like, "Oh, we need to go because it'll do so much damage." Yeah, that one hit was the crit and did twice the uh, twice the PC's HP in one hit. And I was like, "Well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fudge that a little bit and just change those numbers a tiny bit because I'm not killing you today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a skill we learned uh, when I ran uh, organized play for Paizo. Uh, it's like, yeah, nothing kills a person's interest in a game that they're just learning. Uh, if yeah. you just destroy their character in the first uh, session. Yeah, so it's, it, like, it's, mm, yeah, it's one thing to roll. like fight out and lose the fight, but to just get one and done like, that's not fun. No. no one enjoys that. That's an awful experience. We had a game, we had a session once where the party kind of walked over the bad guys. Um, and you know, we're gamers so after the game we all stood out in the parking lot talked for two hours and i was like hey how'd you like it and they're like oh, it was okay and i'm like all right hell with you so i decided to throw the kitchen sink at them and the next next i mean hordes of undead and they're fighting for nice. and um the only conscious member of the group threw everybody else over their horses and took them back to town they were just beat and that's amazing um, and they're like that was they talked about it for weeks i'm like does anybody else notice that players are masochistic? <laughs> and then I read the thing. That says, the guy says, um, how do you make somebody like a character in a book? How do you like somebody? They say, oh, make them like him a little bit and then chase him up a tree and throw rocks at him. I'm like, yes. So, yeah, no, uh, one one shot, one kill. But, but if you beat him up back the next week, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll light you up like a Christmas tree. Always fun to hurt him a little bit. So. 
make make them earn it. Definitely. Can I ask a follow up question on that? Absolutely. What <laughs> What was your worst big bad evil guy fight fail? And I'll I'll I'll, I'll tidy it up at the end, but I'm 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 waiting. So I've I've Is got a really good one. Either or, either or, up to you. I've got, I've got a really good one. Um, I was it, this was my first ever campaign. It was entirely homebrewed, which. <laughs> Guys, don't homebrew your first campaign. <laughs> don't don't do it. Just use a module, or at least like take something from a module. Um, but it was entirely homebrewed, and I had them going through this really just oozing with malevolence dungeon. Uh, it, there were like these black obsidian uh, structures that were like shrines to some dark god, and it was like kind of a catacomb. It, it was just clearly not a good place and they're exploring and they're they're digging real deep in this dark place and they come across uh the my initial ideas for the bbeg is that he was this ancient evil that was sealed away and he was broken up into pieces and pieces of him were left in these these tombs and they found his helmet one of my players walks up and without a second puts it on i'm just like uh Well, and uh, my GM was sitting at the table with me, so I shoot him a text real quick. I'm like, so Alex's character's dead. I'm like, he just put on the consciousness of an old evil god who is just going to be like, thanks for the meat puppet and start killing people. What do? <laughs> um, I ended up like kind of saving it and just being like, oh, well, I'll, I'll let you do some rolls and see if your friends can help you like shrug off this great evil and he just managed it they beat the dc by like one point or something with advantage but i was just it really sucked me as like there was nothing about this place to suggest to you that putting on the dark evil helmet would be a good idea <laughs> and yet here you go <laughs> but then that kind of leads into like a question of like you know where is your where like you know what is your your best um chaos agent player in a game you know like what what crazy ass thing have they done like just one player not not the whole oh man i know? have that answer immediately too that's my partner i also have that <laughs> yeah. answer immediately <laughs> that's my partner for sure um the first first session of our streamed game saga or not first session like second or third um i was doing a big cinematic moment throwing an army of gnolls at them and the point was you know obviously you're five people. You're not finding an army. Fall back into the town. Reinforce the town. You know, come together and fight off the army. Nope. Barbarian's like, I got this. Stands up. I'd like to rage. And it's just, I'm like, all right, we're doing this. We're taking on an army by ourselves. Like the Leroy Jenkins move kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I'm going to say, like, as the as the Chaos Agent player, I have, like, my instance of... We were playing Pathfinder, half of the group, well, okay, hold on, let me see. Yeah, all of the group, like, for whatever reason, it's like they were fighting living statues, and um, I forget the, 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 the enemy, I mean, like, you know, like, hobgoblins or, or, or um, you know, kobolds or whatever, and, like, one of the players had set a grease trap, like, right by it, so they kind of had to work around it, around this one door, 
and then we were like near this hallway and i decided you know what my character has no ranged weapons I'm, i can't get into the melee because everybody's crowding around this door fighting all these two things so i'm like you know what fuck it i'm gonna go over to down the hall across the way and i'm gonna knock on the door of what we know is the orcs uh orc guard sleeping quarters because I'm like, I can't do shit, so I'm going to just do something. If you're going to break bad, break bad all the way. Yeah. Break bad all the way. And and strangely enough, I mean, like, whatever our, our GM rolled at the time, it's like it was enough to keep whatever was in the room sleeping. And it's like, you know, I, I was a rogue-type character, so it's like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the most sort of... <laughs> I would never pull something like this now, but this was back in the early days of, you know, when I was playing DD, so anything was on the table. Um, a friend of mine runs an adventure, it's a Pathfinder adventure, uh, he's been making up called uh, Shadow Spreads Its Wings, and we're still playing it, it's been like eight years and we're still playing this game. And uh, wow. um, we're trying to get in, I don't even remember why we're trying to get into this place, we're trying to get into a place and there's some guards outside. Um, I am playing my wizard Demetrius, and a friend of mine is playing... Uh, their cleric, Annika. So, so the two of them were like, how are we going to get in? And our, uh, they were like a bard rogue, was like, well, I'm just going to sneak in the back, and you guys can figure out whatever you want to do. And I think our tank was doing something else somewhere else. So we're like, well, how do we get in? Because we can't just sneak in because we have like really bad stealth scores, and it's just not going to happen. So we're like, how do we distract these guards? And we go with this terrible idea, uh, which I recommend no one ever does, where it's like, where I was like, okay, well, I know unnatural lust, so I'm going to make one of them fall in love with the other one. And then the DM's like, well, they're both guys, and they might not be into each other. And I was like, well, what are, can we, like, roll to see if, like, maybe they might be into each other? And he's like, sure. And he never told us, per se. Because then Annika, the cleric, is like, and I'm going to cast Murder's Intent on the other one. And it's like, oh, no, this is <laughs> as awfully as you might imagine it would. Oh, I no. Don't think so one was realizing feelings, and then he just gets stabbed by the other one, and it's like, oh! And then everyone else at the table was like, "This sucks," and we're like, "You know what? Yeah, this sucks." And nothing, to, nothing was accomplished. It I'd was love to awful. apply both of those effects to one at the same time. It's like so horny, but must kill. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it's a great shyster moment, but I would never pull something like that now. Oh this is a long God. time ago. Didn't Robin Williams say that? That's <laughs> that does yeah, sound men, like it. Men, we're great. If we can't fuck it, we'll kill it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basic. Basics. Yeah, back when... Uh, it's a group that I played with for about like seven or eight years at the time that this happened. And we had three of our... There were six of us playing. Three of the players couldn't show up. And they were the three players who were the uh, the meticulous planners of the group. So, not that we minded, but often things would get bogged down a little bit with, like, the meticulous planning of, like, what we're going to do and how we're going to overcome problems and stuff like that. We just weren't there that week. That meant that the three chaos agents in the group got to decide what we were getting up to. Um, and we decided that nothing was more important to us than to end the session and therefore begin the next session uh, with all of us inside of, you're we trying to sneak into a drow necromancer uh, place, and it had a death ward, a death field around it. I forget exactly the details. Um, we we figured the best way to do it. It's sort of like radiation, right? 
you need to protect yourself with something that can like repel death. So, <laughs> oh no, we, do I see ends, where going? <laughs> we ended the. It's sort of like a Trojan horse situation. It was a Trojan mammoth <laughs> that we had <laughs> that we had killed, reanimated, and hauled <clears throat> out. Oh my god! Um, oh, so we yeah. ended the se- so we ended the session and then began the next session with <laughs> all of us crammed inside of this mammoth. Oh my god! As, as the one character in the group who could like pull off being an evil necromancer, uh, convinced them to let him inside. Um, and. It was just uh, an absolute, and they were just like, "What? This is that's the most ridiculous. This could never work." It's like, "Yeah, but we're like we're having a great time." Um, Hollowed out yeah. a mammoth is not a not a phrase I thought I would hear. Today. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. With the with the one player we had was a necromancer, and he says, "Can I take some craft skills?" Sure. What do you want? No. <laughs> Leatherworking and, and taxidermy. Oh, oh no. my god! Oh god! He's like, I'm going to mule, and uh, we're like, you don't have any hand- animal handling. He says, I don't need any. I want a dead one. <laughs> I don't need it. So, <laughs> we taxidermied this mule, right? And then he made it so it had a leather flap on it, so we could flop it up, and it didn't have saddlebags or anything. He stuck everything inside oh of it. <laughs> and he'd put it down and he buttoned it shut. He'd be like, "All right, we're ready to go." I'm like, "Has oh, built-in pockets, don't worry." Oh, <laughs> oh I was like, "Okay, okay, that's yes. so clever, but so gross." <laughs> I have a sudden need to play a cleric, and it's not <laughs> not going to be a healer. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody's everybody's down on necromancers, but they're just out here recycling. Yeah. Just recycling, yeah. man. Yeah. Serious. Serious. Like. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and and to 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 talk about like a player quirk or uh, excuse me, a character quirk, but not a necromancer. Um, I created a fighter for my my one friend's homebrew, and she discovered like like later on that she started to have like sorceress um, um like a sorceress backstory. Like her father was like a was a dragon or whatever, and and she had some sorcerer tendencies so i gave her some some levels in sorcerer she would fart obscuring mist when she got nervous lovely or drunk that's a good one that's hilarious you want to see a party trick (laughs) no i mean like because it was like like a like there was a the battle in at a tavern or something like that and it's like you know she for whatever reason i think her her wisdom got like lowered by something i can't remember what but <laughs> like she was impulsive and she got nervous and so instead of like you know jumping on the table and and fighting she ended up farting obscuring mist and then like you know creating cover for the rest of the group so amazing somatic somatic component to pull my finger <laughs> <laughs> so my, hold my beer <laughs> my big bad evil guy fail um we were playing role master i was running a role master game with my game club and uh, Rollmaster's also known as Chartmaster, for any of you who are unfamiliar with it. Um, it's not the kits that kill you, it's the crits, okay? Um, and armor actually works intelligently. It doesn't keep you from getting hit, it just keeps yeah. you from taking crits. <clears throat> so, the big bad guy was this, uh, this like, death knight 
um, not quite a death knight. He wasn't undead, but he was this big evil, evil anti-paladin, right? Full gothic plate with shield, with magic, with okay, and he, you know, had had evil god on his side. And so my one player, uh, high dex character, he had a rapier, and I remember. Um, and he open ended high on his initiative roll, twice. Um, so he was going to go faster than anybody else. Okay, and on his first attack, and this was the big fight. And I've, you know, he's got the scrying pool, and he's he's gauged all of the the PCs' weaknesses, and this is going to be a bloodbath. Okay, everyone's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to die. First attack, first round. He scores just high enough to get an A level critical, A through E. And A is like the wussiest critical. Turns around and rolls a natural hundred on the A crit. In through the jugular, through the carotid, and out. Not even oh. the first round of combat, the first hit of the first round of combat. Big bad evil guy is dead. And I'm like, well, I, I could probably figure out another two hours worth of activity today, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. And when you were talking about the uh, the chaos player, <laughs> that's usually me, unfortunately. Um, nice. Or fortunately. Um, but uh, everything everything I ever needed to know about trusting my players happened the first time I ran um, my first game for my, my GM, D&D. And, of course, he wanted to play it perfectly typical character he was an elven ranger who wore soft leather armor and a fedora and carried a hand crossbow and a whip and would only answer to the name jones oh god <clears throat> so we know where this is going to go and they get captured by hobgoblins and he's like you better not mess with me man i'm jones and all hobgoblins like oh we're gonna eat you everybody says they're jones and he says yeah but can everybody do this i said do what he said you see that pine cone I was unaware that we were in a deciduous, a deciduous or coniferous forest. Um, sure, uh, yeah, pine cone. Yeah, he whips out the whip. He says, "I'm gonna whip out the whip, nail the pine cone, and have it coiled in at my at my hip." I'm like, "Roll, natural 20. So the pine cone explodes. The hobgoblins give their little golf clap, and they're like, "Oh, okay." So the the hobgoblins went from being you know generic cannon fodder to these reoccurring NPCs that would always show up right after they mess something up, <laughs> you know? Oh, Jones, Jones, hide, 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 hide. What? Oh, Dragon flies overhead. <clears throat> what did you do? Uh, nothing. What did you do? Okay, and so they'd have to go off and deal with the angry dragon. But, uh, but yeah, see that pine cone? That was, that was a game-changing moment for me in, in history. Love that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, this actually might be a great place for us to pause and take a break. Normally, we'd do that right at the top of the hour, but we're getting pretty close. So rather than start a question and have to cut everybody off so we can do that, why don't we take a break now? And sure. um, and then we can come back. There was an ask my question next that came in during the last half. So we'll start with that and then we'll jump back into all the questions that we haven't had a chance to get to yet. Um, as we go into the break, I just want to let you all know that there will be a, uh, a really, really fun trailer for the Plot Hooks Kickstarter that is currently live. If you haven't seen that yet, that is the uh, Disaster Hamsters Kickstarter. So uh, stick around, give that, give that a look, um, see what you think. I am really excited about it. It has already been successful, so they're into stretch goals at this point. Um, so give that a look, uh, and uh, we will be back in just a few minutes to answer more of your questions. We'll see you soon. In a world 
where heroes stand tall. What the heck is that supposed to mean? Oh. <clears throat> Sorry. Play as adorable hamsters in Disaster Hamsters 2, an epic TTRPG book designed for 5th edition. It's more fun than you can stuff your cheeks with! The book has three parts. Ta-da! Everything you'll need to play as a hamster in 5th edition. Ta-da! A whole sanctuary full of adorable sentient animals for your hamsters to explore. Various scientist Jerry Hilliot has perfected the process of creating sentient hamsters. Now, for a final test, he's dropped his experiments into the sanctuary to see how they fare. Not only must they survive, but they must also defeat the tyrannical kitty Snuggles to escape to freedom. This is awesome! We need your support for Disaster Hamsters 2 to happen. We'd love to have you on the team. All right, we are back from break. Hope you all had a good, good break um, and uh, stuck around and saw that that uh, Kickstarter trailer. That's like literally one of my favorite things ever on the internet right now. So uh, hopefully you got to see that. And we are going to dive right back in with the Ask My Question next that came in from Shadow Ace. And uh, they would like to know, how did you first get into TTRPGs? Mm. <laughs> your, what is your That's... origin story? <laughs> oh, boy. Let's That's see. like the, the consummate good question. I know. Who has, who has the most together? tragic origin story? You know? Who can top each other? With how sad our backstories oh, are. Oh, I can tell you mine is not sad at all. <laughs> yeah, mine's not either. Mine's not super sad. I actually, I've, I've technically been playing TTRPGs most of my life. Um, I was introduced by a neighbor kid when I was like eight, nine, something like that, and it was D and D three point five, um, three point five, three point oh. Don't remember. I think it was. I think it was three point five. Um, that just makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but I was introduced and I was really, really into it. I was way too young and the, the rules were not explained well to me. So I like did not know what I was doing, but I was really into it, really liked it. Um, and just was unable to facilitate getting a better knowledge of it. So I pretty much stepped away from it. Picked it up again in uh, late high school. Uh, one of my best friends slapped down the Pathfinder 1E rules one day. and was like, let's play this. And uh, as soon as he told me it was D&D 3.5, I was like, yes, yes, let's do that. Let's do it again. Um, so I played Pathfinder for like a year or two. Uh, Pathfinder 1E mm -hmm. stopped again because just didn't have a group, didn't have time, didn't jive with Pathfinder at the time. Uh, that has since changed, but at the time, I just it wasn't something I wanted to learn. Um, and then 
I was a professional chef for a very long time and had very little free time, uh, very little energy for life, you know, outside of the kitchen, and got into a really, really bad depressive episode. And uh, I had a friend reach out to me and was like, hey, man, like, I know you like fantasy. I know you are a fan of D&D and, like, want to play it. You should check out uh, Critical Role. Like, they're... They they just they had just kind of started at that point. It's like they do podcasts. Uh, you can catch their stuff on YouTube sometimes. It's pretty good. You should check it out. It might might be that push you need to get into D anD D. And I binge watched a hundred, almost a hundred episodes of Campaign One in I think four weeks. Um, <laughs> and from that point on, I was just like, yeah, I think I really like D anD D, and I really want to get into it. Picked up the books and have been playing. Weekly, daily, one, <laughs> hourly, soon here. Ever since, um, long drawn out origin story for me. I started with in elementary school. I got the red and the blue boxes, and made my own maps on hex, you know, the grid paper, or whatever, graph paper. Very cool. But had no one to play with because <laughs> I. Yeah, didn't have anybody that is was as nerdy as me in school, so I actually didn't start playing in earnest any TTRPGs until I was in my late twenties, when I met um, someone who was like, you know, practically like a GM in his diapers, um, and just he introduced me to playing. Guess it was like when Thaco started going out. So whatever edition that was of Advanced D&D. And then finally D&D 3.0 came out. And then we started playing that. And then I just got so involved with making characters and just um, uh, just learning how to play like the, the, the traditional type of, of, of role playing. And then I discovered online role playing actual plays like once I started watching certain channels like table story and um, listening to podcasts of actual plays. Um, never got into critical role or something. I don't know. There was something about their vibe that I wasn't really, you know, like, you know, running with. But um, once I started like watching more actual plays where they were making a lot of narrative choices and like really getting into characters and the story that's when I started to understand, oh, there's more than, than just D&D. So I got introduced to, you know, PBTA games and like, you know, some, some indie narrative games. And then um, just like last year, I found um, the Gauntlet channel, which um, like, again, Jason is the designer for The Between and I was able to get in on the actual play. And I've been, you know, playing that ever since and loving the capacity for being able to to have a really good cinematic experience of like, you know, being able to narrate and only reveal your backstory when the mechanics of the game allow you to. So this way it's, it's drawn out and you know, you're still trying to, to deal with the stuff externally for your character, but then you also have your past that you're dealing with. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun and um, I am so glad to be in this space with like so many creative and collaborative people um and uh yeah that's that's my story <laughs> it took a while to get here but i mean <laughs> i was like yeah found them yay 
Yeah, it took me a while to find my people too. Uh, I didn't start playing TTRPGs until I was 26. <laughs> so <laughs> it took me a while. Sounds about right. <laughs> and the reason I said, uh, Alex, that it made me feel old is because I was 26 and also playing 3.5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm uh, unfortunately only 30, so I suspect that I a lot of my, my past with D&D stories will bring up those emotions, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, you youngin. <laughs> yeah, 30 gang. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. We're 30! Yeah, I was I was raised on 3.0, 3.5, and 4.0, so that's what I'm used to. Um, for me, yeah, I started on 3.5 back in the early college days. Uh, we would play, and I think a couple of those games just ended up with everyone dying, or um, like they just stopped. We did a little bit of the Star Wars 3.5. It was just like yeah, but Star Wars. And that game ended, it's it's basically my fault, but also not, because I didn't know how the rules worked, and the GM refused to explain. Mm. Uh, the, to be brief, the way that ended is we were trying to make our escape on our ship, and some, you know, TIE fighters are coming in, and I was like, wait a minute, can I just ram through them? We have, like, our ship's way bigger. Oh. These are just little TIE fighters. And the DM's like, yeah, and I'm like, cool, how do I do that? And he's like, oh, you just roll these dice. And I'm like, great, and I do it. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're also going to take a bunch of damage. And I was like, oh, well, hold on, I wouldn't have done it. If you told me that before, can I say I'm not doing that? And he's like, no, it happens anyway. So, like, our ship takes a ton of damage, and then, like, two of us die, and, like, the other three are just barely surviving, and, like, the game just ended there. We never got around to fixing it. It's like, dude, like, I wouldn't have done it if <laughs> you explained the rules. So, stopped playing for a long time. Uh, I ended up just skipping D&D 4th Edition. I've never played it. I, I don't know if I'll ever get around to trying it. Um, then, yeah, like, eight years ago... Uh, I'm trying to keep this brief. There's just a lot. And um, <clears throat> I, I was getting really into the sort of like trying to be a voice actor thing. And I uh, found some auditions for a comic dub on YouTube. I ended up getting into that. Um, ended up being friends with just a bunch of those people. And we've been friends ever since. And one of us eventually was like, hey, like I do this thing called Pathfinder. And it's like D&D. Who wants to try it? And half of us were like, we want to. And so that game started, and that's the game that I'm still in that's been running for eight years. And then other people started running their games and their games, and everyone has their own kind of games they're running. And then we started streaming them on Twitch. And yeah, here we are, just still doing the same old thing. So do you want to do rock, paper, scissors for the oldest game? Or should, <laughs> I, should I just jump in? Um, here, here, here's, here's one that nobody's heard of. Um, anybody remember the science fiction book club? Six books for a buck. Um, I picked up Amazing. one called uh, Fantasy Wargaming, the highest mm. of all by Bruce Galloway. Um, I know that game, unfortunately strongly, for you. <laughs> I strongly, strongly suggest every GM I have ever met buy this game and read yep. it. Yep. is completely unplayable. I mean, just a doghouse. It's a, it's a catastrophe. <laughs> but... but all the stuff on medieval uh, thought, medieval, the money system, it's non-decimal money, okay? So four farthings to a groat and 16 groats to a, sh and it's just like, okay. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but I love it, you know. Three um, morality stats, greed, selfishness, and the lust. Low is good. Um, yeah, completely unplayable, but it has, it's, it's a, I'm still mining it this many years later for um, ideas 
I mean, it's the magic system is trash. They, there's even a war game built in, <laughs> which is okay. The war game is okay. But um, I'm reading along in it, and it's a British, it was a British publication, and they're trash talking this game I hadn't heard of called Dungeons and Dragons. Like, where are all these dragons yeah. come from? Where did the dungeons come from? Who dug these dungeons? Where did they go to the bathroom? Okay, what, what's up? And I'm like, huh, this D&D thing sounds kind of stupid, but uh, maybe I'll look into it. <laughs> in uh, junior high, we played D&D, played the hell out of champions, played the hell out of chill. Um, chill in a basement by by uh, hurricane lamp, and when you blow on the side of a hurricane lamp, it makes the flames flicker. We didn't know Very that cool. the GM was doing it, but yeah, um, just played the hell out of everything. Um, people are like, "Are you in the edition wars?" I said, "I was around before there was an edition. It was just this, and you know, that's so we we were happy for what we had, you know." So, <laughs> um, but uh, a funny story when I was first starting out as a professional GM, I had a crew get a hold of me. They're like, "Hey, will you run some first edition for us?" <laughs> the only one you know. <laughs> well, the the annoying follow up there would have been which one? Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> that was the same face when they told me I was teaching calculus, and I'm like, I haven't brought, uh, cracked open a calculus book in 20 years, dude. Okay. I'm yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah. first edition, no, I, oh, it's a, the first edition is what I do best. Uh, <laughs> you, know. Uh, uh, uh. you know, and uh, luckily they wanted to do a dungeon crawl, and I had a good one. Uh, nice. Uh, here's a blurb for Dyson's Mega Delve, 33 maps, and you'll never get through it with the party, but it's great. Um, but yeah, so uh, college, college, um, got into a couple gaming groups. My buddy got me into 7th C first edition. I was lucky enough to live in the same town as John Wick, the designer, uh, nice guy. Um, met him at a couple of cons. Then Rollmaster, uh, and then when I ran into Apocalypse World, Apocalypse World's changed my life yeah. completely. Um, and it got me on the concept of system philosophy, yeah. um, which we can talk about later. But yeah, it's uh, fantasy wargaming. If you can find a copy, and they're around some places, it's uh, it's a gold mine. But you will have to do a lot of digging to find those nuggets. Mine is uh, yeah. I started with D and D. I played um the first box that i owned was the pink covered um Mulve basic set um but i actually started playing with the uh was the assistant librarian at our public library where i lived in fort mcmurray nice. which is in like northern canada um who set up a club and and um that was actually the only reason my parents would let me go i was 10 at the time um, and this was like 1980 at the height of the, well, sort of at the height of the, the, the first real sort of, uh, panic over, over D and D, uh, in the States that it just started to trickle up to Canada. Um, but because the, the club was being hosted at the, the public library, um, my mom was like, yeah, that sounds great. The public library, they wouldn't steer you wrong. So, <laughs> yep, there. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, uh, and I mean, from then on, it was just uh, uh, initially it was whatever we could get up to Fort McMurray, like whatever I could order in through the the local bookstore. Um, what I played, 
So I just played, like, was not picky about <laughs> uh, the games that I... So a lot of a lot of early TSR, but also a lot of stuff like uh, Sky Realms of Jorun, which is one of the... Uh, one of the games I always tout because it's one of the very first games where you actually had to carry out public service in order to advance in the game. It wasn't it was a very sharp departure from like the the D and D murder to, uh, tourist um, approach of like go somewhere and kill something and take their stuff. Um, you you had to form a public service and somebody had to like you know think that that was good enough for you to actually advance as a character and so that was sort of an interesting system and then um yeah just kept playing it all through theater school all through um when i moved uh <laughs> when i moved to edmonton which is like only 500 kilometers south of Fort mcmurray um just kept on playing i managed a gaming store for a while um, which was fun <laughs> um, for certain definitions of fun. Uh, I managed it in the 90s, which is when TSR was starting to circle the drain. Yeah. Um, and uh, and right at the point where they got bought out by Wizards of the Coast. So it was an interesting time for retailers. But uh, yeah, so, you know, 43 years of role-playing games. It's not too bad. Yeah, our satanic panic buffer was that the high school, um, we started a game club at the high school that I actually, I went back and was teaching at my alma mater and I had to start it again. That was fun. Um, <laughs> but he was a local uh, Southern Baptist deacon. He was he was our sponsor. So if anyone was like, oh, that's all about the devil. I said, you want to go talk to Reverend uh, <clears throat> Reverend Pat about that? He'll set you, set you straight. Hmm. He was the one. He always wanted to play the clerics too. He always had a GMP nice. with the cleric, awesome. and, he, and he loved uh, puns around uh, rapping materials. There were the Ophane brothers, Tryptophane and Cell. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! And their cousin Rain, Rain Oldsrap. That and Monty Python references. So you know, it's all. I it just less awful. <laughs> yeah. I that I, I I got nothing after those names. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. I it, the regulars in my chat have heard me tell this story before, but I was uh, I started TTRPGs like I said when I was about twenty six with uh, three point five. Um, played three point five all the way, skipped four, and went straight to D and D next and then uh, moved into 5th edition, and then life happened, and um, my gaming group lost a player because I moved out of my house, and, um, and uh, basically, um, we, you know, we continued to play, but um, I also, at that point, is when I got into streaming and started streaming Pathfinder 1st edition, Nice. Yeah, a couple of streams from that. So, like, literally, I had never played anything but D&D &D until I saw a casting call for this stream. And I was like, why not? Like, what do I have to lose? And I was only, like, one of three women that applied. And so I it, it was 
pretty pretty easy to get a spot because he you know the the guy that was running the game was like well I don't want to have a table of all white dudes um <laughs> and so uh so sure we'll throw a white woman into the mix um oh. and uh and so I ended up doing that for um couple of years actually uh played two Pathfinder first edition campaigns but then like in the meantime like just started doing one shots of anything that I could find you know uh, just all kinds of different systems and um I did play another campaign that was a Savage Worlds and World of Darkness crossover so the Savage Worlds rule set with the World of Darkness lore which was a lot of fun um but yeah otherwise it's like you're running a one shot. I've never heard of the system. Great, let's do this. <laughs> so those are the best games, right? Yeah, I found yeah. some of my favorite ones that way, though. Um, like the Mothership RPG. Oh man, I want to play it so one. bad. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it looks. Uh, Alien is my favorite film of all time. Yeah, it's so. so. It's, I'm literally. I'm literally playing. Uh, like. I'm I'm doing a play by post right now of a mothership game and uh my character's name is Riley Jones. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know, I'm like here for it. I had to I had to bring that in because it was yeah. Um and and the quest RPG, which I think is you know, a great little rules light system. Um Yeah, very cool too. Yeah. So it's been um it's been a lot of fun doing it that way. And now, uh, like I mentioned, Brent and I are doing Starfinder, which is awesome because it's not Love a streamed it. game. Like, we're just doing it for fun. Um, Shadow Ace, who actually asked the question, is GMing it for the first time. So, like, it's all kind of a learning experience for all of us. And uh, we're having a blast with it. Like, we're just having so much fun. Uh, anybody who's been following me on Twitter learned that we recently acquired an ooze that we named Uzi Oozborn. Um so God. yeah <laughs> I, I love starfinder so much that is probably my favorite D D esque system out there it's just so good yeah. it's so fun yeah it's it's uh it's been a lot of fun so far and and we've only gotten to play once and we were just like that's it like is it tuesday <laughs> like we all had a great time so <laughs> Um, are you guys playing like an official Starfinder adventure or is it like a made up one? No, it, we're doing it really as a as a short, you know, like mm -hmm. a short four week little mini campaign. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much um, uh, entirely homebrew, you know, I mean, um, for the storyline, at least it's, you know, basically like a fetch quest. But yeah. Um, yeah. Starfinder is really cool because I mean, yeah, it's like it's like Pathfinder, but a little bit different. But yeah. There's just, I think there's like over a hundred playable races now. Like there's literally, you can literally be, there you go. You can like literally be anything. A friend of mine and I, um, maybe they've added a couple more since then, but we we went through, you know, those like tier maker lists. I uploaded pictures of every single race onto that tier maker list. And we, we, see if oh, we, no. the, we, we ranked every single one based on like which one we'd rather want to play the coolest ones. There was like the garbage tier. A couple went into there. Maybe I can find it. Let me find, cause I know I took a screenshot. And I put it somewhere. Trying <laughs> to find it. See, see if there's any discourse where it's like, what? Why did you put this race here? And it's like, I'm sorry, it's just bad, you know. <laughs> some of them are like technically bad. Some of them are neat in like a role play kind of way, but they're also limiting, which may or may not be good. It really just depends. Like I know there's one where I think it's basically two souls combined into the sort of energy being, and you have to multi-class. You have to take one level in this, then one level in that, and you go back and forth every time you level up. And that might be really neat, but I also feel like that would be a nightmare because I don't 
I don't care much for multi-classing, but if you're into it, then like you probably love it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Starfinder is really cool. I cannot find anyone to play. <laughs> I ran. Um, there is a one shot called Band on the Run, where you're a band trying to get to the big show to play your big show at the end, and there's obstacles in the way, and that was a lot of fun, and all the players had fun. But aside from that, not a whole lot of luck. So people yeah. might might know about <laughs> know about that stream, the band Astrosendo. Yeah, my my weekly group uh, when I started doing uh, online tabletop in 2015, um, the guy says, "Can we just be all bards?" I said, "Yeah." What's oh, your yeah. Name? He says, "David Doey." <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> We're gonna do this. Okay, so yeah, the 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 band on the run. Wait a second. It wasn't there a band on the run type of. Um, there was like a traveler, like first edition traveler. Where you were roadies and management for a interstellar band too. So, I mean, yeah. again, no, no new stories, but yeah, it, it, it's fun. It's fun when they when they get the reins in their teeth and run, and they're like, "All right, well, I guess we're doing this now." I did an all cleric game once. We were all different domains, and uh, there was one cleric in the party who um, their deity was Mikhail Jackson, and hmm. the uh, the character's name was Dustin Dustin. Wood pond. <laughs> so, yeah, as opposed to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, okay, let's see. Let's jump back to some of the other questions. Uh, Frog Fairy Six would like to know what kinds of settings or themes do you like using? For example, murder mystery, psych horror, or what sort of themes would you like to use in the future? I like mysteries. I mean, well, I mean, the the between has um, like a there's like a there's mysteries like slash threats that you that you deal with um, on a you know um, every session, and um, you know you are investigating and and getting other things done and and having having intimate scenes with other other characters and again like just like really cool narrative um, bits in there thrown in with what you're trying to solve and what you're trying to resolve. Um, and then the, the related other game that Jason uh, Cordova has made is Brindlewood Bay, which is essentially murder. She wrote, you know, crossed with uh, golden girls. So, I mean, same type of thing. And then, um, you know, just being able to, to, it's very, it's hard to explain without actually playing but i mean it's like it's not like where you're full of like investigative stats but i mean like you know you have these moves that you can that you can use and then like you know help with your investigation and then there's this like spooky cult culty horror bit on like you know um um in the background for for that particular game so um i really do like like settings and scenarios where it's like there's there's like a spooky element to it but then like you know then you're like getting things done or if it's like a it's like a slice of life scenario where you like you have characters um like like going through something like there's 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 the world like we just played like um heroes of the hearth um in a in a one-shot group that i was in on saturday and um 
it's basically where you do a quick world building and then you're talking about um, these villagers who are trying to deal with their loved ones, the adventurers who have gone off to this war or this, this situation. And it's like, you know, like them dealing with like, okay, they've been gone for a month. They've been gone for two months. They've been gone for three months. And then the war or the, the threat is like slowly coming towards the village. And then there's supposed to be a climax of like, well, what happens when the, when the threat comes to you, you know, and then how it ends with, um, with, with the characters. Um, so, I mean, again, I'm like really into not just like overall threats or, or like, you know, minor threats to, to the characters, but being able to have the characters tell their story within the, the scene, the, 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 the situation they find themselves in, you know, I mean, and, and it's not just about like, you know, when, if I run a module or something like that for a group, it's like, it's, it's about how are you guys relating to each other with this stuff that you're dealing with at this point? You know, I'm, I'm very much into character and it's like, I really appreciate it when people, e even in traditional games or whatever, you know, narrative based games to be able to bring that out in some way. You know, not just like, you know, oh, your character died. I, I hate that. When when it first happened to me and my GM just said, oh, your character's dead. There was no, there was no nothing. There was like no, 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 no sense of, of, of grief or like, you know, like going out as a hero or, or like how tragic or anything like that. Your character's dead. I'm like, that is devastating. I don't care who, I don't care who the hell you are. I mean, like, you know, you've invested in this person this person that you're playing and like you're just gonna like drop it and just say nope you're done it's like make a new character no bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so i mean again appreciating appreciating scenarios where it's like you know everybody's involved in play everybody is invested in like you know who they're playing and i mean really genre i mean you know so long as everybody's having a good time i mean that's that's the important part interesting you should mention it um when i first started my classes for a therapeutic game mastering um one of the things they talked about is um your brain doesn't recognize that emotions aren't uh, aren't emotions are always real okay so if the character on the tv show dies and you cry your brain does not know that's a character dude you it's just no no the emotion is real um so the the interactions that you're having, even though you you know this is this is not real, this is a game. Um, you can have some catharsis, you can have some emotional reality with that, and uh, grieving a, a dead character. Oh my gosh, that's that. I mean, it's it's grief. It's real. It's a thing. Um, so um, we had a guest GM for the. We had a we had a weekly two hour session. We had a guest GM who ran Fall of Magic. I don't know if you anyone's familiar with it it's a storytelling game you don't have any stats it's just the group is making up the game and the the material is just a map with prompts um they ask about what themes you want to explore um i've written a dozen short stories and half of two novels um and i love it when somebody reads a short story of mine and they're like oh well your your story is obviously about the uh the plight of the native american Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, uh, I get, I, yeah, I, sure, sure, I guess. 
And so when we got through Fall of Magic, because it's about whatever you want, I realized that my game was dealing with second chances and dealing with loss. Because in the game, I had to let, I, I was escorting my mentor to the place of magic where he was going to go back to the magic. And it was this, it was this, oh my, I mean, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to my father figure, you know. And of course, my dad's sick in the hospital right now. He'll, he's probably going to be fine. But it's just like, oh. And then the other guy over here, I said, I'm I'm Knight of Stormguard. He says, well, I'm the Fugitive of Stormguard. So the rest of the game was me giving him a second chance and saying, you know, I, I, I got a lot of second chances that I didn't deserve. So I'm going to make sure that you have that opportunity too. But we didn't know at the beginning what this was about, what the theme was. It just kind of uh, emerging gameplay, you know, emerging yeah. gameplay. But if you if if my thing, I like the mysteries and I like the um, I like the dark. I like some grim dark. I would love to get some people to play the <laughs> blades with me. Um, that's yeah, musket era, musket era fantasy undead fighting a rear guard action with a military unit. And um, maybe you'll make it, and maybe you won't. It's episodic, but um, I've got a lot of love for the setting for Dark Heresy. Um, uh, uh, Warhammer 40k, your low-level members of the Inquisition fighting off all the real bad guys and being real bad guys while doing it. Um, one of my issues with, uh, you were talking about um, mysteries. Uh, the rule sets for most games are terrible for mystery. <laughs> so I had to steal liberally from Gumshoe. Um, basically, Good the, things. The, yeah, the, the players find all, the players all automatically find all the clues but if they roll well on something pertinent they get more and better information they get connections it's like oh you find the matchbook oh what'd you roll oh i rolled uh, streetwise 27 oh oh this matchbook is for it's it's a it's a nice place but it's got kind of a cd like underworld oh okay cool um because in most uh, i'm sorry many systems if you fail one search roll the game stops dead yeah. Um, but my big my big theme that I keep coming back to over and over and over is the nature of heroism. And what is it, you know, if, if your players, if the PCs are heroes, what does that mean? What are they doing? Um, what do they do when they fail? What do they do when yeah. they really fail? Um, and um, and how do they how do they keep getting up and fighting the good fight? Um, or do they? You know, so it's. Um, some, some. I mean, it can be fairly deep, um, but it can also be pretty lighthearted, depending on what you're going for. Um, but uh, the one I've been, the one I've been playing a little bit recently is called uh, Dialect. It's a tabletop game. Um, some of you are nodding your heads. It's the game of language and how it dies, and it's got uh, it's very bittersweet and melancholy because. You, you as a as a group playing it, you decide whether or not you go for the happier ending or the sadder ending. And uh, everybody I've played with thus far has chosen the happier ending. I'm waiting for them to dig in deep and be like, "No, we all die," and they find these records 170 years from now and go, "Oh, God bless them, whoever the hell they were." But uh, yeah, the I, I think a, a theme I like to explore is the nature of heroism. Uh, it's funny. I'll, I'll actually piggyback off of you a little bit. Um... Very similarly, I I always, especially starting at a young age with epic fantasy and then moving into dark fantasy and dark sci-fi and 
epic sci-fi. Um, I still gravitate towards those those propensities. Um, I'm pretty varied. I don't really. I think at my core, I'm more of a science fiction person. I, you know, Star Wars came before Lord of the Rings for me, so that's kind of just where the love has always been. Um, but I don't really gravitate towards one setting or the other. I, I love playing in fantasy just as much as I love science fiction. What I love to explore more than anything, though, are... And, Owen, oh, actually, you said it really well, is... What, se- what really sets a hero apart? Um, what really takes you from what this town guard has done to someone that is idolized, someone who is almost worshipped and just seen as other, seen as better. Um, you know, is it your victories or is it the hardships that you've overcome, et cetera, et cetera. And I really like to explore those. Um, I read I read through The Black Company at a point when I got into writing. And so that has really shaped the kind of, the kind of morose gravitas of that series kind of shaped my 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 love for just there aren't so much heroes as people who rise to the occasion as people who step up when no one else is willing to step up or able to step up um because there are no heroes in the black company they're all bastards they're all awful awful people the narrator lies to you for most of the series like they're just they're awful people but they're the heroes of the story. They're the ones you want to win because they're the only ones bothering to fight. Um, so that's always been really, really prevalent in my storytelling. I actually, spoilers for anyone who's uh, playing Sins of the Mother, you should check out right now. Um, that's actually a recurring theme in my first, my first arc of our new weekly streamed game is just a man who wants to do right and wants to do good and for the life of him can't do it he's just everything he does turns to ash in his hands and he's he's ruined his family he's ruined his city he's ruined the lives of so many people through trying to be a good person and it's like is that really a villain you know like is this really a bad person everything they did they did for love they did for protection they did to help people and they just failed they're just bad at it, you know, um, and yet they are the ones responsible for a lot of death. So um, I'd really like to play on themes like that. I, I, I like to subvert tropes as well. Um, I think having cut my teeth, especially at a really young age, I was introduced to Lord of the Rings at, I think, seven, seven, eight. Uh, my mom just handed me the books and was like, read these. You're going to love them. Um, so having cut my teeth on Tolkien, I think Tolkien was very much black and white. You know, there's good, there's evil. There are kind of people between, but not really. Like, you're good or you're evil. And as I got older, as as we all do, you rebel against the things that you 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 were fed. And being fed that there's good and there's evil. And then seeing a book like The Black Company, I was like, nah, <laughs> there's a there's a much more fun way to go. <laughs> So yeah, I I am big into I'm big into sub- subverting tropes, and I'm big into exploration of how people overcome hardship and how people rise to occasions to become heroes. Uh, don't really like assumed heroes. I think that that's 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 probably why 4e never latched on for me. Is I don't really like assumed heroes. No one should go into adventuring thinking they're going to be a hero. You go in because you want the money. It pays well. Yeah, that's it. 
that's that's why you're an adventurer you know it pays really well like and then you become a hero because you're in the right place right time 25 words or less um black company has one of the scariest characters i've ever encountered and that's raven limper no 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 Ugh. no raven raven oh yeah raven's pretty raven's pretty pretty awful <laughs> the thing about raven is um the 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 narrator describes it he says Raven has one good thing in his life. He saved the life of this little girl, and they'll call her Darling. And you don't even look at Darling, okay? Because he will straight up murder you. Yeah. Okay? But he poured all of his goodness into Darling. And he's like the best stepdaddy in the world. But he will do literally anything. He has he has no limits, no cap. I mean, and, and this is people, you know, they're dealing with like sorcerers who enslave, you know, hundreds of nations. And Raven is scarier than all of them because he doesn't have, he doesn't have a filter on yeah. what, what, you know, there's no limit on what he would do to keep this little girl safe. And, and so it's, it's a really interesting uh, take on the, the whole misguided good. I love, I love the concept of the misguided good. Yes. Thanos takes it to 11, but it's like, but he's trying to do a good thing. He's trying to take care. You just care failed. Of <laughs> but he tortured an entire yeah. village to death to get him. But he's trying to protect the little girl. He's like, oh. so, so those yeah. are, those are the characters you remember is the ones who tried to do good. The ones who wanted to do right and didn't, you know, those are the people you remember. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, the best villains are, um, you know, whether they're villains or not, are the ones who think they're doing good. I mean, like, yeah, it's fun to have a villain who is evil for the sake of it sometimes, but, like, if they think they're doing the right thing, it makes them way infinitely more compelling than if they're just evil because it's fun or whatever. I actually, I challenge you to take that one step further. I think the best villain is the villain who is doing good. Mm, where they're actually in They the are mind. doing good. They're enacting... Thanos is a is a very blunt example of it, where objectively what he is trying to accomplish is a good thing but he's not doing it in a good way and and it involves like mass genocide which is awful but like he's just trying to balance things out the balance aspect good thing but take that one step further and be like no 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 i'm going to get balance and i'm not going to commit genocide i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it all right i'm gonna do it all by the book you know give give you a villain who who is doing good they're just doing it in, like Raven, however they need to do it. Doesn't matter who, who has to die. Doesn't matter what lies they have to tell. Doesn't matter how much of their soul they have to sell. They're going to do good, and it's going to get done. That's, that's, that's when you start getting in the villains that stick with you for the rest of your life, man. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of an example. There, there aren't a lot. <laughs> It's not done too often. It's it's tough to bring, especially in especially in the way we consume media, books in particular, books and comic books. It's really really hard to get an audience to get behind uh, a villain who is actually doing what he said he's going to do and is actually doing good things and making good things happen. There's a really good book called "Soon I Will Be Invincible," which is uh, it's a novel told from the point of view of a supervillain, um, and. Uh, very very well written but he doesn't make any bones about the fact that he's evil yeah. you know, he's, he's doing things but then again you get into discussion see i don't like <laughs> heresy i don't like alignment i don't use it because it doesn't make any sense to me I'm with you on because, that because when you're doing um hey let's do the crusades uh you got a saracen knight 
and a and a Christian knight, which one's lawful good? Aren't they aren't they both lawful good? So I go with motivations because the lawful paladin who's upholding the law is going to be different from the good paladin who is protecting the innocent is going to be different from the justice paladin who is bringing the wrongdoers to uh, to justice. Yeah. All very, very different motivations. And, and then if you can tie some experience into that. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the one that I bumped into, the paladin, the, the bad guy was like, you're not going to do that. You can't do that. You'd fall. You can't hurt me. You, you, you can't. And the paladin takes off his helmet and he says, you're right. If I, if I do what has to be done to destroy you, I'll destroy myself. But you have to ask yourself, would I think it was worth it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll blacken my soul. I'll never get to heaven. My God will cast me out. I'll be nothing. My, my friends will, I mean, my, my family will never talk to me again. But if I have to do that to destroy you, ask yourself. Ask yourself. And it's just like, the rest of the party is like, oh, geez, he's going to like, he's, he, you know, and, and you know. Be, he's going to sin. Yeah. And the DM's like, Oh, I'll just go along quietly. Just you know, don't don't hurt me too bad here, buddy. Uh, so so those those the good the the good bad guy and the bad good guy are really really great tropes to mess around with, especially where they start blending one into the other. So uh, yeah yeah, I, I I dig that a lot. All right. Well, we are about at the point of the night where we need to start looking at wrapping it up. So what I would like to do is make sure everyone gets a chance to go around and um, remind us of who they are and where people can find you on social media and anything that you have going on that you would like to share, promote, all of that good stuff. Um, we're going to go in the reverse order of when we started. So this time we're going to start with Owen and we'll work our way back around to Alex. So um, Owen, take it away. Cool, cool. My name is Owen. I'm a therapeutic game master, professional GM, writer, voice actor, editor, whatever. Um, my current project I'm working on, uh, getting up and published on itch.io, uh, itch is Splintered Moon, uh, post-apocalyptic fantasy. Um, you can find me uh, at Chanted Evening on t uh, TikTok. Uh, I've got a link tree there to various projects. Uh, also, just whomped out a backdrop for dialect and um a fiasco playset. so come on by and take a look thank you thank you thanks for coming on tonight and hanging out for a couple hours i appreciate your time and uh, all your thoughts so um mads hi i'm mads um i'm uh, found on twitter at madeline collie um and right now you can find me um on YouTube, on Jason Cordova's channel, um, on the Between Shadow Society playlist, um, as we go through our second season uh, right now. And um, I'm gonna try to do some, some <laughs> learn how to do some audio editing, because I'm trying to, to start uh, putting out some playthroughs of some uh, one shots or like, you know, small series of um, indie games, because um, I just want to keep playing and then practicing um, um, you know character development and um, being able to like work um, collaborative collaboratively with people to create these stories I love character and I love the stories that come out of these narratives when everybody is involved and um, uh, hopefully I'll be able to um, play some games with you guys sometime 
Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. It was great to get to meet you and get to know you a little bit. And uh, I'm definitely, definitely going to be checking out that. Like, yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's go over to Keen. Hi, I'm Keen. I'm the creator of the Space Ditties on YouTube. If you like fun, adventure, silliness, uh, we don't take it too seriously. You might want to check that out. Um, I'm also a game master over on Surprise Round RPG, where we just run tons of different adventures, Pathfinder, 5th Edition, um, like every kind of weird system under the sun. We're trying to maybe go through all of them eventually. Uh, lots of video games and lots of other fun stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, too. Like I had said earlier, it's it's always nice when I get a chance to interact with people that I've only really ever talked to via social media. So, uh, so this yeah. is great. Thank you so much. Uh, Brent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I said at the top, I'm a professional editor. Uh, currently, I'm the lead editor on uh, Heroic Chord RPG. Uh, and I'm an associate editor with the Unbreakable series of anthologies. So um, you should definitely check those out. Unbreakable Revolution is out right now. And the rest of the series is going to be coming out over the course of the year. So. Uh, should definitely check those out. You can also check out my writing at uh, therathole.ca and on my own site, uh, renaissancegamer.ca. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brent, for coming back. It's always a pleasure to have you, and um, looking forward to more Starfinder on Tuesday. Um, so, so thank you. And uh, Alex? Hi, I'm, I'm Alex. Um, I am one of the directors of Bards and Brews. We do actual plays uh, something like four days a week now. It's getting ready to be six, and then probably seven. Um, so we're always on, on Twitch. You can catch us there. Uh, if you're interested in what I do personally, you can check me out at Ballsy Bard over on Twitter or Glass Greatsword Games over on Kofi. I make a lot of 5e supplements at the moment and working on making a uh, Lumen Hack and uh, a settings module as well. So feel free to pop over there if you want to see what I write and what I do. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming back again. Um, again, yes. always a pleasure to have you, have you back and um, excited for all the stuff that you have coming up too. So thank you all. Um, I am Gamer Mom Luna. This has been Tales from the Tavern. Uh, I usually say we're here every Sunday night, except for that I have a vacation coming up in a few weeks. So we're here, we're here almost every Sunday night. Um, we will be here for the next few weeks, uh, three more weeks actually, and then I'll be taking a few weeks off um, to do some fundraiser planning. Um, so next week we'll be back uh, with a regular episode, and then we've got two more coming into May, which will be wrapping up with episode number 100 and uh, I am very very excited about that we have a very fun group of guests coming on for that episode we're going to have giveaways I have every intention of picking some stuff up at PAX next weekend I'll be at PAX East um, I already know uh, everybody that is a regular here is extremely familiar with my dice catapults I already <laughs> know I'm going to be giving away at least two for that so um yeah, so we'll be doing that um, and a bunch of other giveaways as well. And uh, quick shout out to um, uh, my channel partners. Uh, I don't 
ever think to shout them out nearly enough, but I want to make sure to shout out Arcane Spectacles. Um, you can visit them online at arcanespectacles.com. They make all kinds of TTRPG accessories for your table. Uh, you can use discount code LUNA10 to get 10% off your order. Um, as much as I love them, though, I do just want to make you aware there is an Etsy strike going on, and a lot of their stuff is on Etsy, so you may not be able to purchase things from them at the moment. Um, I also want to shout out Critical Hit Cookies. You can visit them online at hitcookies.com. If you haven't tried her stuff, you are doing yourself an injustice. It is amazing. I highly recommend her cookies. The ginger ones are my favorite. Um, and you can also use Luna 10 there for 10% off your order. And she does ship to Canada. Just FYI, Brent. Um, and uh, and then also um, Gemmed Firefly. Like, we all know Matt. We all love Matt. So uh, kudos to Matt. Um, uh, Alex is wearing one of his T-shirts right now. But you can use uh, Luna 15 at his shop and get 15% off your order. I think we're giving away a gift card on the 100th episode. So check that out. Um and we are going to, uh, we're going to go drop a raid. So we're going to go over uh, and we're going to visit Q Times. They're they are playing some TTRPGs over there. And uh, this is a new channel for us. So um, let's go over there and show them some love. I hope you all have a wonderful evening and we will see you all next Sunday night. Have a great evening, everybody. You know? I should go. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. You can catch this podcast recorded live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash GamerMomLuna. All of our questions come directly from chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. If you ever have a question or would like to add something to the conversation, feel free to reach out on Twitter at GamerMomLuna and use the hashtag TFTT. You may just get to hear it answered. Thanks so much. I should go.